1: Well, you are listening to Mortification of Spin. My name is Todd Pruitt, the star of this particular podcast, and my two sidekicks, Carl Truman and Amy Bird. We're so glad you joined us today. Uh, now, I, I've just come off of a, an adrenaline high because I have been absolutely destroying Amy Bird. Todd has in, been in, in yelling a, at me. In, in, in a, he thinks
2: that this is good.
1: I have been <laughs> destroying at Amy in, in a debate over toxic masculinity. Now, what's, what's so curious about this is that Amy is the most aggressive female. Um, you know, she, she, um, she has training in martial arts. She owns guns. She carries knives oh, on her. Guns. Wherever she goes, um, she makes explosives in her kitchen. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so. Only
2: to put in your coffee.
1: She's, she's very competitive, and yet. When she decries toxic man, I do not use that term. <laughs> she she talks about how awful aggression is and, and these men I said men it's who not a male virtue. And um, yeah, okay. So uh, here's here's where we can agree. Aggression as it is typically conceived of in, in negative ways. I, I would agree with you. However, would you not agree what 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 would you call what would you call that that impulse that that most healthy men have
2: righteous to, anger to
1: defend um their chicks
2: righteous anger <laughs> said that <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just said that <laughs> <laughs> anyway women also <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my gosh sorry okay. sorry Okay. Sorry, okay. Now, now, let me, let do, me, do, it, let me do it the right way. Let me do it the right way. The, the, the impulse, the healthy impulse that most healthy men feel to, to defend the vulnerable, and, and oftentimes, at least physically speaking, mm-hmm. that can be a girlfriend or a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if let's say, if, let's say um, it's, it's two o'clock in the morning and it's clear someone's breaking through the front door, right. what, what do we almost in a knee-jerk way, what would we say about the man who jumps under the bed and and was, not oh my gosh
2: such an aggressive man
1: <laughs> to, and, and, that's and, just and,
2: righteous anger i and, mean and, that,
1: who, and who wouldn't and who wouldn't position himself between the intruder and his wife
2: i mean that's a defender so mm-hmm. but it requires ag- aggression. aggressive quote unquote aggressive person is the one breaking in your house
1: yeah but but we require that protectiveness Yes. requires a, a a species of aggression it puts you on
2: aggression it does a, a, a but i am saying aggression in itself is not a male virtue and when we think of aggressive people such mm-hmm. as you described me in the opener here <laughs> <laughs> we do not look at that as virtuous
1: quality <laughs> okay now i let me see i'm, I'm going to do something very painful right now okay um i'm going to agree with you um i'm just i'm just <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> i agree with you i'm, not, I'm kind of you know, part. i'm being partly tongue-in-cheek i'm pushing buttons because yes right. I, I agree absolutely aggression is mm-hmm. is not a virtue
2: and aggression is what we've seen coming out in a lot of these MeToo Two stories mm-hmm, using mm-hmm. male males using their powers to overpower women mm-hmm. um in ways that are very sinful
1: yeah and and I you know I I agree with Dwight Schrute from the office who said that uh, one of the biggest downfalls of the the female species is weak arms and yeah. so um, we need which is why I men- challenge
2: you to a push-up competition in <laughs> March okay 60 seconds who can okay. do the most okay
1: okay <laughs> I'm you know I'm gonna think about that I'm gonna give that some serious know
2: you're said you were gonna pray about
1: it <laughs> yeah yeah well, obviously, we're talking... I mean, um, tongue-in-cheek, of course. Yeah, I, I know. Um, so, to our listeners, we're, we're just carrying over a discussion. You know, the Gillette ad that came out um, where the same, the same company uh, that, uh, that, that sells their product, um, even up to this day, with, with women wearing rubber pants um, plastered to their bodies, is also right. uh, expressing grave concern that, um, that men might be too, uh, might be too manly. Um, now, see,
2: uh, that's what bothers me because <laughs> now I'm not trying to support Gillette, who's just mm-hmm. hopping on, you know, the whatever next popular wave. Right. Is, and I right. don't think that they're like some huge virtuous company. Mm-hmm. And, but they had some, they weren't saying that manliness is bad. They were saying, use your manliness to step in. To these situations that are happening in our culture right now, mm-hmm. like bullying and Me Too mm-hmm. stuff and harassment, mm-hmm. use your manliness mm-hmm. for good.
1: I just don't trust the culture to tell us well what bullying. I don't is. either. It's they no. want to
2: sell razors. I totally agree with. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's and that's my husband thinks it's you know, quit pressuring him to shave. <laughs> that's
1: what he exactly. says exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, I should not be expected to you know brush my teeth or. Use- <laughs> use deodorants or, or exercise hygiene. I mean, let me be me.
2: Yeah. But I do want to say that meekness is a Christian virtue. It's yes, one it that Christ calls us to bless us. And that mm-hmm. is meekness is knowing when to be gentle and mm-hmm. when to exercise righteous anger. Okay. And so okay. I think that that is what we should uphold, not yeah. aggression or mm-hmm. not like somebody who's you know, totally passive,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but mm-hmm. to have that self-control and that reliance upon Christ mm-hmm to know when to exercise. Those
1: yeah, that's all, yeah, yeah, that's all I've been saying. Hmm, I <laughs> <laughs> so, I I want I want the audience to notice something that's going on right now. Um Carl Truman.
2: Yes, quiet the, Carl Truman. Yeah,
1: yeah, the the English panty waste out there is refusing to make himself known in this discussion. I think that says a lot and it's not complimentary.
3: Well, I, yes, I, I made a vow to myself to, to behave like an adult <laughs> some years ago. And, uh, you know, today just doesn't feel like the day I want to. <laughs> <put that back. laughs>
1: um,
3: so if well, I can do the condescending English thing here. Yeah. No, 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 kiddies. <laughs> to the topic we're going to discuss. Today. Well,
1: well, in in keeping with this um uh trend that that we started here uh in this recording with uh, addressing current issues. I thought you know, we, we thought it was a little bit interesting. We we looked at the top 5 podcasts of uh, episodes of mortification of spin in the year of 2018. And uh, it was kind of interesting. Coming in at number 5 of the top 5 was our discussion with Scott Swain of Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando on the topic of Reformed Catholicity, which I thought was kind of interesting that that was in the top five. Nothing against I'm Scott. I'm really
2: happy to see that.
1: I was very happy to see that.
2: It's a great topic.
1: Exactly, because we like Scott Swain, and we like for people to, uh, uh, to listen in on, on, what, on, the, on the work he's, he's doing down in uh, Orlando. And so anything just to, uh, to comment on that or to recap on that, yeah. on that program? I think actually that program is becoming more and more relevant with, with some of the yeah. stuff that's gone on. Yes. You know, we're
3: recording on a day when stuff on the doctrine of God exploded onto the internet yesterday. Right. One thing's interesting to me is that those who are, I think, holding to a what I would describe as, as a doctrine of God that doesn't comport with the boundaries set by classical, creedal, and confessional orthodoxy are also marked by sneering at... at uh, the sort of Reformed Retrieval movement. And what's right. interesting about that, of course, is that, uh, as Scott explained on the podcast, Reformed Retrieval is really simply about recovering the the exegetical, theological, metaphysical context in which Reformed theology was formed and, and in which the Reformed confessions were forged. Yes, It seems to me to be odd that those who allegedly subscribe to these confessions, so fear reformed retrieval. Yeah. because don't we want to know what these documents actually meant and mean uh, in order to be able to see and make sure that we are fulfilling our vows in relation to them? So I think uh, Scott's uh, you know, Scott's a very ironic person.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I think Scott's podcast and, and the work that he and Mike Allen are doing, which is effectively the, the practical application mm-hmm. of the kind of historical theological work that Richard Muller and those of us who sort of mm-hmm associated ourselves with Richard in the last 20, 25 years have done. I I think it's very significant work. And I think it's exposing the fact that certain strands of American reform theology are more innovative than they care to
1: admit Mm.
3: and Mm -hmm. dangerously tinker with the meaning of the language of the confessions. Right. If you're going to replace the exegetical, theological, metaphysical context of the 16th, 17th century with something new, if you think that that's flawed in some way, then the burden really falls on you to prove that doing that does not lead to a fundamental transformation of the meaning of the words that you're subscribing to. Simplicity, immutability, impassibility, these kind of things. Mm -hmm.
1: And that's the frustrating thing to me is that some of these folks are saying, oh, no, I affirm simplicity so long as I can make it mean something that it's never meant before.
3: Yeah, a little <laughs> bit like uh, Pete Enns affirmed inerrancy 10 right. years ago, but we have to redefine it to make right. it credible with the current state of mm-hmm. biblical knowledge, exactly the same as being done with Chapter 2 of the confession, as was done 10, 15 years ago with Chapter 1. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and Scott and Mike aren't just calling for retrieval in itself, but they're also calling to – as in the retrieval to reform it to scripture and then to kind of renew it in its presentation to our, our culture today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's more than mere retrieval, which is an important thing that um, is being highlighted for good reason.
1: and, And to dare say that the, the great theologians in the first four centuries actually knew something and understood from their daily study of the scripture for years that they understood how to systematically talk about God in a way that was faithful to the Bible and that they could do that before the 16th century, you know, what a novel idea. Um, Yeah. Okay. So, so the, the the number four um, most uh, uh, listened to podcast from, from 2019 was our um, podcast on uh, the church's response to child abuse and not entirely surprising that that got a lot of interest uh, given what, what, we see um, in the news what, what we know, not only about uh, the scandals involving the Roman Catholic Church, but of course, sadly, also the scandals involving uh, Protestant you know, evangelical churches. Um, it's a sad, sad thing as you look at the statistics and, and hear the stories and, and, and how unfortunate many churches' responses have been. Of, yeah, of, of co- I'm happy and, happy yeah.
2: to see that this was one of the most popular listen to podcasts for the yeah. year again. Yep. Um, and I think it's something that we'll continue to cover mm-hmm. and continue to talk about because mm-hmm. it's an ongoing, um, it's going to be an ongoing issue of how to protect our children. Well, right. The church, how to respond, how church officers respond mm-hmm. um, to hearing about any kind of child abuse. Um, i mean, a big part of, The discussion has been cover-up, which is just so awful. Mm -hmm. And and these are things that need to be talked about. And I think it's a good witness to unbelievers, too, to -hmm. have Christians talking about this well.
3: It's also – it's been very encouraging to me that a lot of churches now are getting child protection policies together. Yes. Uh, Again, if anybody's listening to this program and your church doesn't have a child protection policy, first bit of advice is find out what the state – regulations are. Every state varies on child protection, but you're going to need to make sure that your church is in conformity with state law to begin with. And then, I think, think about the local conditions. We don't just want to do the minimum that we can mm-hmm. to protect children. The state law and the insurance companies set the minimum, if you like. Right. Find out in local context how you can best protect the children. Right.
1: Okay. Well, and, and, and one of the things that that we've been learning, we've been revamping our child protection policies um, just laboring over them for about the past three years at our church and um, have had a great team doing that. And one of the steps in our process is we brought in a a firm that consults with churches to do just that and um, uh, legally and morally, ethically, all of those things to, to to go beyond just the minimum uh, requirement, because one of the things they do in their training is they help you see you know, you want to do more as a church than just make sure an immoral event doesn't happen on your church property. You want to do more than that, yeah. Because because most of of church, uh, m- most of child child sexual abuse that comes through uh, the Christian context happens offside of the property itself, and there actually are some things that the church can do to help mitigate against some of that. We can't mitigate against all of it, but there are some things that we can do um, in, in terms of of, of the people who are actually sanctioned in the church to work with, uh, your children and youth. Yeah, yeah. And, and so please consult with, with a reputable group that does that. Let me just tell you one story. Um, the, the group that we brought in to consult with us, um, the very first thing that, um, uh, the trainer did that evening was he showed us a video that was made by a, a larger evangelical church. I hadn't heard of the church, but it's a good size evangelical church and And one of the members of their church, a, a lady who was a, a school teacher in the public school um, uh, had been uh, indicted uh, for sexually abusing um, a boy in in her classroom fourteen year old thirteen or fourteen year old boy and um, they didn't give any of the details but but what the church did was they had her on there, the teacher and because now she repent she repented and now quote she really gets it. She really understands that why she did what she did was because of her poor self-esteem. These are her words. And, um, and now she knows that because Christ loves her, this is never going to be a struggle for her again. And she talked about how she hopes that the victim and, uh, and, and the family, that they'll come to understand what she understands about Jesus now. And, and they're celebrating this. And, you, and, and as I looked across the tables full of people in our church that were going through this training, you could just see almost the horror in their eyes, because what was intended by this pastor to be this, see how gracious we are in standing with this sister who now really gets it, was actually just one more level of victimization, um, because it was a, oh, oh I get it now, um, and, and now I'm fixed, because now I understand something about Jesus that I didn't before, and I hope that, that this boy and his family, I hope that they'll understand it too. and They can get it. Yeah, it, it just was. It was. It was shocking. It was shocking. But it, but it showed the insensitivity of, right. of 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 a church of a church leadership to not know how to care well for a victim in in their desire to care for the perpetrator, they actually heaped coals upon upon the right. victim, and mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, so that was that was hard to watch. And 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 it helped us again in forming our policies and in guarding against doing that that kind of thing so we hope the churches will will grow in this because it's a it's a problem that's going to continue unfortunately Um, the number three and and i almost hate to bring this one up because you know our guest that day is already impossible and this is (laughs) and this is just going to make him worse but our number three most listened to podcast of the year was our discussion on the second commandment with danny hyde
3: hey can we just uh, at this point i think it's worth just saying that the the top one is one with just the three of us yes so
2: actually
3: (laughs) yes danny pulled us down (laughs) danny pulled us (laughs) down what about two first equals
2: i think that so many people tuned in to hear his hair advice
3: (laughs) (laughs) to hear his hair in fact as it rustled in
1: (laughs) so so danny hyde we know that you're a faithful listener because we know that you get a lot of your spiritual nourishment from listening more to STEM. <laughs> but, but you, your appearance on this podcast pulled in the, the number three spot. And so congratulations. Great uh, hair for radio. <laughs> hey, yeah, and that's but, exciting
2: too. I mean, we're talking about the second commandment, which exactly. you, know, you don't think many people are talking about these days. Right.
1: Right. And, and for those who are still wondering what the second commandment is, um, it is the, uh, the, the, the prohibition against the use of, of images of God in, in worship. And so I was glad that that, um, that that struck a chord and 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 pulled in uh, a lot of listeners. That's uh, that's a good thing. Even if we, we had
2: to use Danny's hair to get us,
1: <laughs> even if we wanted, if even if we had to use Danny uh, to to help uh, navigate our, our way through that, you you mm-hmm. came through for us, big guy. And so if you know, we may even have him back on. I we'll
2: bet see. you hair gel sales went
1: up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. D- D- Danny's Danny's mother sent us a note. And um, asked us to to have him back on sometime, so we'll we'll probably <laughs> we'll probably do that. Um, okay, so number two is um, is not surprising to me in, in terms of that that it brought in a lot of listeners, and that was when we had our guest Daryl Harrison on to talk about social justice, and and given uh, the current debates going on among Southern Baptists in, in the PCA um, about. Status of of social justice. Um, I, I figured we'd have a lot of listeners for that, but that comes in at at number two, and it continues to be a a very very hot topic and one that is increasingly uh, divisive. Um, uh, I, I think in, in a lot of it, we're shouting past each other, unfortunately. Um, but or tweeting past each other. Tweeting it? past each other. Yeah, <laughs> um, and there's been unfortunate things said on both sides of of the issue. But um, I'm I'm I remain concerned about the the, the primary uh, voices that are uh, uh, calling us to quote you know social social justice, saying things like you know there's there's a reckoning coming to white people in the church over this et cetera et cetera. It, there, there's some troubling things. Uh, being said, you know, without, without wanting to diminish the fact um, that, that we want to, to care well uh, for our neighbors and all the people around us, um, the, the, the current um, emphasis on social justice, I, 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 th- I think, brings us uh, to a potentially uh, dangerous place uh, in the church.
3: I have still yet to see a good definition of exactly what I, it. Uh, it, it seems, and again, you use the language there of a reckoning coming. Yeah. Well, maybe. So what does that look like? That's nice, right. powerful rhetoric. And maybe there is a reckoning coming, but what does it look like? Does it look yeah. like thunderbolts falling from the sky? Mm-hmm. Does it look like reparations being paid? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the rhetoric in this debate is is fascinating to me because everybody assumes it means something. Right. Uh, I'm not sure that 99% of the people using the rhetoric would be able to give a coherent definition on either side. I agree. If one were to sit them down and, and grill them. What do you think, Amy?
2: Yeah. I, I think that everyone agrees when we use a word like justice. Um, and we talk about what justice means, but when we add the word social to it, I think everybody um, has their own definitions and and there is a lot of talking past one another there and and it's sad because i think that there are great opportunities where we can um be sharpened where the church can be sharpened um there's some tension Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's some real tension going on and i'm not surprised then that that was such a popular podcast and i mean we did that one early in the year and um it's still, I mean, it's probably gotten more and more and more tense since then. Mm. So, I mean, I thought it was good to address the history of the term and where it came from mm-hmm. on that show. And, um, you know, I think this is something that the church really needs to be careful about how we define our terms.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's you know, again, back to Carl's point, I, that's what's been, that's part of the frustration for me is is the lack of, of clear definitions or or when there are some attempts at definitions it just sounds like rehashed classically liberal categories i i i'm have i have a hard time you know the the, people will invoke some of the language of the minor prophets but even there it's a very different thing that that the minor prophets are, are are dealing with than than what is being brought up Um, Oftentimes, at least in my circles in in the PCA, very different thing. I mean, when a minor prophet condemns uh, an unjust king Mm -hmm. in an unjust kingdom where the poor are forced to work and add their labors to build up the riches of the king, that's that's a very different thing. Than a than a than a liberal democracy or a representative uh, republic that's kind of a meritocracy like we have those those are very those are very different th- things you don't you can't draw you, you can't take the, the 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 cry of of a minor prophet and apply it to some things that don't seem fair to one person in twentieth or twenty first century America you just can't do it it's a different thing I mean it, 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 am I making any sense or what I just don't. I just don't understand the appropriation of 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 the minor prophets to to most of the categories that that the social justice advocates are are pushing. I I don't know. I, I just don't. I'm not seeing it.
2: Yeah, and there's just so many levels to it. I mean, there there's the argument that minorities in the church are not being heard well, mm-hmm. or or the church isn't hospitable right. to minorities and that the, the church, um, which has happened, is, which has
1: happened. We know, yeah, we know that that's these are,
2: like, we need to have mm-hmm, this conversation. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then there's um, the more, the broader social issues of racism mm-hmm. and oppression in society and where, where the church's role is to speak into that. Right. And um, so that's the other discussion. Yeah. And then there's um, within that, what is the church's main mission mm-hmm. and the fruit of, of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, there's so many places to agree with, I think most of the people kind of come in the middle to agree up, upon, but um, some, of the, some of the more louder mm-hmm. voices um, are very polarized. Mm-hmm.
3: And one thing we're seeing just recently, and I think this will continue to develop, is the, the permeability of the boundaries here, that, that the racial issue is becoming fused to the LGBTQ right. issue that there is not being a clear distinction made there. I think some of this lies at the level of the theory being used behind it. Post-colonial theory is not really predicated on the idea of universal human nature and universal human dignity. It's predicated on the idea of of the social construction of of human nature. Uh, And that's been swallowed whole. What's fascinating to me there is that 20, 25 years ago, we had, Anybody who took an egalitarian view of, of women's ordination was excoriated by the conservative evangelical leadership for being on the slippery slope to allowing for homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the some, I don't think it, it's inevitable mm-hmm. that somebody who holds that hermeneutic will not be able to make a case right. against homosexuality. That there's some plausibility there. But what's much clearer is that if you Uh, set up the race justice issue on the presuppositions of post-colonial theory, you have no way to uh, regulate sexual identity. You have no way to regulate identity, period. No way to regulate sexual identity. And yet the same leading voices who'd be screaming and shouting about egalitarian ordination practices absolutely silent on this issue because, of course, it's a career-ending move. Right. Speak out on, the, on, on race. Speak against the, the cultural consensus at the mm-hmm. moment, and you will be decried as a racist. Right. So I'm very pessimistic about how this, mm-hmm. this will develop because the hermeneutical underpinnings of the issue right. are profoundly significant for matters of, of simple biblical morality.
1: Yeah, anything exactly. And that's, and that's precisely why, Carl, we have some, a, a ministry leader – um, on staff at a PCA church someone who she she was named recently um, just last year um, as one of the most influential people in the in the PCA uh, you'll see routinely on her twitter feed um hashtag #transjustice and this kind of thing and, and and what's happened is is that her hermeneutic on race has made it impossible for the for the very reason you outlined for her to draw differentiation between sexual identity then that 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 hermeneutic that she has adopted on race uh, requires if you like for her to apply the same thing towards everything that the world is saying about sexual identity and so that very church pca church in st louis now just uh, has gone through a big embarrassing situation where they were going to be hosting a trans lesbian activist to speak in their church on a lord's day about quote celebrating trans lives
3: no, no, Todd, they never realized what just stood for. <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> <Not> the <official laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and
1: they've, and they've <laughs> had that same individual leading worship on various occasions, helping to lead worship on various occasions. And they never noticed. Yeah, that. exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And this church is making the very point you made, which is because they've adopted, because here's the deal. We have a, a real legacy of racism in our country and in churches in our country. Not just the South, but the North also, but particularly in the South, there's a real, genuinely painful, ugly, sinful legacy of that, and 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 we
2: and there's still residue uh, from absolutely.
1: That. And we need to be able to acknowledge that, grieve that, and repent for that, and 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 to continually look at our hearts to make sure that that we don't carry those things over. The problem is, is that when you jump from that biblically appropriate. Uh, repentance from those sins into the kind of hermeneutic that carl outlined suddenly you move from uh repenting over racism to uh hashtagging trans justice and and hosting a trans lesbian activist in your church to speak about celebrating trans lives and and so the stakes are high and they continue to be high in this discussion
3: and and none of the men in the reformed evangelical world who have the clout to speak out and be listened to Will speak out. They have been. That's my prediction for 2019. Same old, same old. Same old
1: thing. Yep. The men, the leading conservatives, the men in the PCA, who have historically been on the cutting edge of leadership in defending things like biblical inerrancy and gender roles, are keeping their mouths shut on this one, and it's discouraging to watch. Maybe we
3: could issue a challenge and say, "Hey, if any of you are out there who fit that bill," Come on, mortification. Spin Absolutely. And
1: make that thing. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. One, one last thing. Here is the number one listen to uh, episode this year. And it's obvious um, and not a surprise at all that it's, it's one that, uh, that featured just the, just the three of us. None of those pesky guests. Not, we didn't have Danny Hyde pulling us down, <laughs> you know, damaging yeah, our That's right. That's right. We weren't messing around with Scott Swain or Michael Allen, just the three of us. <laughs> We broke free. The all-stars. And hit the exactly, the all stars, yeah. and our topic was uh, based upon an article uh, that Tim Challies had written on on top trends um, or or themes or challenges for reformed Christians in 2018. And one of those those themes or challenges was the growth of charismatic practice. And so we kind of zeroed in on that and and talked about, well, among other things, why the three of us are not charismatics and why uh reformed people have historically historically not been charismatic and so and so it's strange to see the kind of melding of charismatic with with reformed but i i i think that it's safe to say that that those reformed charismatics um are uh, are just shy of being truly reformed because they still don't baptize their babies right i mean can we agree on that you know, we'll call them reformed with a little... That's
2: a whole other topic.
1: They're, they're, they're,
3: they're, You're channeling your inner Scott Clark at this
1: point. They're, they're, they're Calvinistic. <laughs> we'll, we'll say they're calvinistic um, uh, <laughs> they're, they're Calvinisticy. Uh, uh, um,
2: direct all angry emails. <laughs>
1: at we should just note, actually, Andrew Wilson.
3: I, he sent me two copies of the book. Uh, Andrew Wilson, I think, is a, a friend of this program. Yep. Uh, just written a book on on new charismatic worship. I think was the yeah. title. I yeah. um, like Andrew's stuff. He's written a remarkable book on autism that my wife worked with autistic kids uh, uh, loved. Uh, so Andrew is is. We, to make the case. we
2: could have we, him on we need for need to, a conversation we need to, to have him,
1: we need to have him on so we can pick him apart limb from yeah. limb i think that would be the, thing. the <laughs> other thing is the other thing is uh, apparently mark driscoll's newest book um is is on uh, you know advancing this idea a uh, spirit filled jesus or I'm something i'm sure
2: we, that it'll be a lot different from and
1: we we could have we could have driscoll on um, andrews kind of like the you know the english <laughs> mark driscoll <laughs> oh my goodness uh, please, uh, please <laughs>
3: Hey, Andrew,
2: Andrew
1: I we, do not like we that. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so, so those were the, uh, uh, the top five listened to episodes of Mortification of Spin for 2018. It'll be interesting to see uh, what it will be for 2019. I, I want to I venture a guess here, okay? We, we all travel along with me as I, as I kind of tease this out. I think if we were to have a no-holds-barred, um, toxically masculine toxically masculine discussion between Amy Bird and I I think if we do Amy that it
2: needs to be a YouTube
1: oh yes
2: because we need like you know hand expressions because uh-huh, uh-huh. both you and I are expressive people e-
1: exactly and people need to the see listeners
2: the listeners don't see what's really right. happening
1: and they, they don't see my face tattoo that I just got either and so <laughs> I'll, I'll want to show that off and of course I'll, of course I'll appear shirtless Um, which will be a demand. We Um, want more viewers, uh Todd, Mm -hmm. not less. Mm -hmm. I I shaved a heart into my back hair. And so (laughs) I want people to see that. I don't even like to think that you have back hair. Just call me Sasquatch, baby. Yes. So with that, oh, yeah, with of we want we want that image to be burning your mind. But I'm 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 convinced. I mean, Amy and I have lots of fun uh, uh, outside of we this go at it, don't we, Ty? Going at each other on this thing, and I think we need to have just a um, because I mean, let's face it, Carl's just going to crack jokes the whole time. He's not <laughs> going <laughs> to actually say a side. Can I
3: have He's Can I have inst- that day
1: off?
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's going to instigate.
1: But if I'm we gonna if, boil if, my head or something, know, if, if it's we it's could have a real brass knuckle. You know, kind of, kind of thing on this.
2: Can I bring my nunchucks?
1: Please do. Bottom line is, I'll win. I <laughs> Look, will if win. If you have
2: to keep claiming victory, you didn't actually win. I,
1: I will win. It's a free tip, pro tip, it, strategy. It, it feels so who's, good to win. Who's bringing this anarchy to an end?
2: Okay. Who, do you know playing? one of the best strategies in jujitsu?
1: I would. Oh, of course I do. But maybe it's our listeners don't. To make
2: your don't. opponent think that they're winning. It,
1: exactly. Okay.
2: You're, you, you're
1: you're you're doing, doing very well, Amy.
3: Right. Doing very well. In the midst of all this chaos, it seems that it's time for the one adult left standing in the room to make an executive decision and bring this whole mess to an end. So I'd like to thank you all for joining us on the Mortification of Spin today. I hope that some part of what has gone on has been remotely constructive and helpful to you. Uh, and I would ask you to pop over and visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, where you will have a chance to enter to win one of three free registrations for the Paidea reading groups that Mike Allen has been on the show and talked about for this spring, where the text will be one that's particularly dear to my own heart, and that is Martin Luther's large catechism. Also, while you're on our website, please uh, check out the blog. And also, uh, you may well notice that there is a link there that allows you to donate to the podcast. And be great if you if you felt there that you're able to uh, help us keep the podcast on the air. All that's left for me now is to wish you well. Until we meet again.
0: Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. To read more on hard-hitting topics like this, visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about Certainly the basics of Trinitarian thought were hammered out by 381,
1: one being, three persons, things like eternal generation. Um, And yet I don't think the question of Christ's obedience was as central into some later councils, particularly the Third Council of Constantinople.
0: That interview is next time. Join us then.
2: Hayden got his gold medal,
1: by the way. That's toxic masculinity. Okay, I hope everybody. everybody, everybody got the medal, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: No, yeah. oh, <laughs> my son one. won gold. he oh, couldn't oh. have
1: won if somebody hadn't lost. They both, exactly. They both lost. I have a Gosh. real problem. I have a real problem with this kind of toxic masculinity that is being that is being propagated in the bird household and forced upon all of us with this. Oh, my son beat the other losers because yeah. they're not as strong as yeah. him. Yeah. I, I, I shudder to think what that is teaching our young boys,
2: the martial arts,
1: Yes, and the, girls. the aggression, and girls. the aggression and the stoicism.
2: It's not stoicism. That, oh, come on.
1: Come on. It's not
2: stoicism. It
1: most certainly is. Do you, you know what getting,
2: stoicism you know, getting, is? Getting in
1: touch with your katra, you know. Your what? Your katra. You're <laughs> saying, it, it, you know, you know, karate is not here. It's here.
0: Well, and you're right. Here. Yeah.
1: And here. <laughs>